We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. Sight shift, podcast, new format, in effect, and so much fun because I have today with me a guest who's been on the podcast more than any other person, but we're going to do it like you've never been here. My man, Brett, all the way from Arizona, Brett Burchard, so glad to have you on the show today. Awesome, man. Good to see you. It's going to be fun to jam in this format again. We jam so often, but now to do it publicly. I assume that people enjoy that, but it'll be cool for us. And That's it. We're going to have a good time and they get to listen in. So uh, Brett is a man of much talent and I feel like I've seen it in different cycles. And this current cycle he's in, he's just learned so much about how he shows up in the strength and presence of his leadership authority. So hopefully we'll get into that some, but just to give people some context, tell us what champion shift is. Tell us what that's about. And then I'll go into some broader stuff from there. Sure. Yeah. Championship is the work I've been doing for several years, but more formally the last couple of years where help athletes and coaches develop confidence, resilience, and humility. So they can compete and lead at the best of their abilities. And so it's kind of spun out of obviously work we've done together and then combine that with, with my background in the sports world coaching in the NBA and you know, on the college level and working with high-performing athletes and just my interest and passion there. So I guess everything, all my experiences and background and kind of merging together in one spot. Yeah. What was your first experience coaching in the NBA that made your head spin like, whoa, I'm in the NBA? Do you remember a moment like that? There were moments early on, like my first week on the job with the Phoenix Suns was May 2010 in the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. And I was an intern at the time, like holding a boom mic for the postgame press conference. And, you know, you just see the Kobe Bryant's and Phil Jackson's like in real life, <laughs> which is kind of cool. I never got a star Super short, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I never got <laughs> super starstruck by anyone. But there were just cool yeah. moments along the way. Like, I remember one in being in Utah, and we had a day off, and I was working out some guys at Utah's, you know, arena. And in between that, some had left, and I was waiting on more to come. And it's just me in Utah Jazz's arena, like John Stockton, Carl Malone jerseys hanging in the rafters, me by myself in the gym. Like, oh, this is so cool. Like NBA <laughs> finals games were played here that I was watching as a kid. And so those kind of moments were really, were really neat and cool. Wow. So picturing you holding the boom mic all the way to a, on the coaching staff and then head coach of the G League team there in Arizona. Dude, that's some discipline and consistency. That's rising through the ranks. 
What was the most surprising thing to you being a head coach that you went, oh, okay, obviously there are parts you expected, you grew up in it, your dad did it, but what was something when you actually got in the seat for yourself that you went, okay, this is different than I thought it would be? Harder, simpler, any yeah. of that? I think the demands from so many people when you're in that area of leadership, I mean, you know, since then I've also like gone back to being an assistant and like the relaxed, the pressure that you don't feel like you walk in the gym and every day somebody is looking for validation or affirmation or you have to be on all the time. And every interaction you have with someone is communicating mm -hmm. something about mm -hmm. leadership or your vision or how you feel about them. And that's just, that's a heavy burden in the leadership space. And so sometimes it's like, I don't want to work at the office today just because I don't want to have to lead anybody right now, you know, but feeling like you're, you're always doing that. And so that's something I probably didn't account for. I, I was, mm. I felt good about the, the technical parts, you know, the X's and O's and, you know, the teaching and the basketball, but that level of leadership and the, the demands that are on it was, yeah, that was a surprise. Wow. Um, I want to come back around to that. I want to help people get the context for what you're doing now because you had this experience. The industry, of course, changed with COVID. You made a big change, wrote a book, really went full-time, full focus with Champion Shift. As you've done that and shifted into this world where you really are making your future, how has that been different from this burden of going in and feeling this leadership pressure? Similar, different, any of that? Well, I think the biggest difference now, you know, diving into championship, kind of building your own future, is I've found that I have to be very sharp or clear or my understanding of, like, the unique value I bring and offer has to be very, very much dialed in and communicated clearly and that's been the biggest sharpening for me. I think to rise through the ranks of the coaching business, in hindsight, I had to win a lot of silly games, like politic games, status games, relationship games. I had some luck go my way, things like that. But it was, you know, I was growing skills in, in that. But now, in the work I'm doing now, I feel like I have to be much more articulate and clear about what are my strengths? How do I authentically bring value and how does that help other people? And the difference between being successful and not is being able to communicate that and deliver that clearly. So it's been really valuable for me to get a, a clearer focus on that of cutting out fluff and extra stuff that might've looked like I was winning, but it wasn't really advancing me like I needed to or wanted to. Mm. So it's been a cool, a cool growth a transition. Wow. Dude, you had so much there I want to unpack, but there was, there was one statement you made that I know people listening to have felt before, especially in their career advancement. You know, I'm advancing playing silly games, but it's not really growing me as a person. Mm. Like what a huge awareness moment to be able to articulate because, yeah, are you getting where you want to go? Are you enjoying getting there? 
That's powerful. So what is, what would you say now is the value you add, the clarity you're at currently? Yeah. Well, I think it falls under kind of two categories really is I help people focus in the midst of complexity, in the midst of a lot of solutions or a lot of options, I can bring clarity and focus. And then I help people relax, like in the midst of high pressure, high stress, you know, beating yourself down. I think I can help people take a deep breath and, and relax. So a lot of the work now I've been doing is just that, is help you remove distractions, relax under pressure, focus on what's most important and, and keep growing. I, I'm laughing <laughs> because for those that don't know, Brett also leads on our team at SideShift. And dude, like that is exactly what happens. You know, the number of times you're bringing this strength of leadership to the team to focus and hey, it's going to be okay. We are doing what we need to be doing. Like, we just got to keep doing the, getting these reps, you know, whatever the message is that you're bringing to us at the time. And then for sure, what you've done with me, the number of times I've been on the ledge, it's just relax. And so for those that don't know, yeah, Brett and I, man, we've been through some stuff. We have written five books together. Is that yep. the total number? Yep. I should know, <laughs> you know. And uh, so that's, that's some time and effort and energy and since while we're talking about this now, I might as well tell people the the one in 2020, which you were the lead on, I was very, very small part. But tell us about the book in 2020, just because I'm excited about it now while we're talking. Yeah, it was cool to finally like distill all the work I was doing, you know, kind of on the side and working it, but putting it into a very structured format. So the book is Catching Confetti, Developing the Mindset of a Champion. And we've essentially distilled down seven essential mindsets to elite performance in a way to walk people through developing those mindsets and how they impact your performance. And so, yeah, that was a fun project and it's still been super beneficial. It's kind of been the core product and offering and messaging that Championship is built around. So great way to, to impact athletes and coaches. Tell us what catching confetti means. Yeah, it came out of a, kind of a throwaway line in the book, but it was this idea, like my favorite moment of every sporting event. At the very end of a tournament or a season or whatever, they crown the champion, they fire off a bunch of confetti, and you see the champion just like, like there's this moment where they're basking in the shower of confetti, but you see this like relief, yeah. joy, satisfaction, like this letdown of like playfulness and you just, you know, the work it takes to get there, right? The sacrifice, the discipline, the pain, the struggle, the adversity, everything you got to go through to reach that point. But then just that playfulness in the shower of confetti. And so I think like getting to that moment also requires a mindset of relaxed intensity, right? It's not a stressed mm -hmm burnout, you know, forceful way to get there. It's a, it's a relaxation. It's a playful, it's a focus, but it's a relaxed presence and you got to let it come and cooperate with it. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's trying to capture that image and emotion all in one. You know, honestly, dude, we've talked about the idea hundreds of times and 
I feel like I just heard it for the first time. I mean, I saw myself in two different confetti moments and I felt it just like yeah. the the relaxation and then the intensity to to go get it. So I'll have to tell you what I saw, man, sometime. Well, one of them be easy. Just like one of our books hits that we write in the future. And then it does a long tail effect on the ones we've already written is a bestseller. And beyond what we can already do with the Amazon bestseller, but like, you know, the way the, the world sees yeah. it, not because we're playing the silly game, because we know what that means at the level we can impact people. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was feeling that dude. Thank you. So we're kind of in this space already. And this will be a fun question. I was excited to ask you, tell me what you like about yourself the most. This is always an interesting question. You ask it a lot. And I think it's such a unique, powerful question. And I still don't know how to answer it. Well, I think the one thing I'm proud about for myself, I don't know if this will answer your question, but one thing I'm proud about is a couple of years ago, made a decision when I was kind of making this transition in the work that I do, made the decision that I'm not going to be miserable on the way to being happy. I'm not going to toil in misery on my way to being able to retire and be happy. <laughs> like I want to enjoy the journey that I'm on while I'm on it. Not that it's not going to be struggle or hard or it's going to be, you know, a challenge, but choosing mm -hmm. challenges that I enjoy and not, I guess, not sacrificing some of that, you know, just to make it to retirement, so to speak. Some of that's financially, but also, you know, health-wise and decisions I make along the way. And I feel like I've, I've stayed true to that, had opportunities to deviate from that approach and I haven't. I'm proud. Man, that's inspiring. I mean, the people that are listening or watching this, they, I would imagine almost everyone can identify with that reality that we slip out of it so easy. And we're like, okay, I'm going to get to that spot and then I'm going to get to that spot and then. And I remember, you know, 10 years ago thinking, man, once I accomplish this, then site shift's going to be good. And I'm going to lose my mind. It'll be great. And I'll totally, you know, and it just, and so now it's like, no, am I doing this out of the overflow of, of who I am or am I trying to force this? And that force yeah. creates all that buried stress. And I know you've never seen an athlete force something in a high performance moment out of stress and only to have it fall apart and get worse. <laughs> is there is there a moment? Too many times. Yeah, Too I was, many times. not to take talk bad about a player or a game or w whatever you could share with us. Uh, yeah. But is there a moment that comes to mind where it just it just hurt you to see it happen? Well, you just watch. You know, there's a very clear example of a player that came into the Phoenix Suns, and we drafted him, young prospect has potential to be a, you know, a really have a great career, long career, but could never get over the insecurities that he needed to in order to grow and develop and sustain a career. Mm. And it was sad watching him. It's, I told our management at the time, you know, they would ask, kind of pull the coaches and say, will this kid make it? You know, what do you think his prospects are? And I said, he's going to have to get cut twice before he makes it because his insecurities wouldn't allow him to make the growth and make the jumps that he needed to do. 
And that's exactly what happened. He bounced around to two other teams. He got cut twice. He ended up overseas out of the league. And yeah, it's just sad. And I mean, at that point, that's that's kind of what had to happen. You know, you couldn't really talk him out of it or, or differently. You kind of needed to go through that, that humbling. But yeah, so so sad he couldn't get out of his own way. He had the chance to. Wow. Dude, I, I feel like, I mean, that was exactly what happened with me. <laughs> if you would have been watching on the side with the coaching staff, you'd be like, that guy can help people, but he's going to have to fall on his face first. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, there are some people that wake up in success, but there are some people that wake up in in the challenge. I think just who you are and the consistency of that is is such just an awesome thing to behold. What for you was like a moment if any, that you can access where you really started to value awareness and growing yourself? Because when I think about you and your story, it's like, it's always been there. Was there any kind of moment where the light bulb maybe clicked on or it was dim, but just got brighter? Yeah. I don't know if the single moment, definitely in college, like accelerated my hunger for growth and maybe a a multitude of factors, Hmm. just my college basketball coach, super into teaching and leadership and reading. And so always giving us books, you know, I never was much of a reader until I got to college and then just started devouring all these, you know, leadership books and self-improvement stuff. And, you know, I was at a school, we were having chapel services three times a week and just devouring all these different thought leaders and ideas and making sense of it all. I mean, I remember graduating college and I was working three part-time mm. jobs, getting my master's, living in the back of a barbershop <laughs> all at the same time. And I distinctly remember I broke my life down into five areas of places <laughs> I could improve, like physical, mental, emotional, whatever it was, professionally, relationally. And I had a list and I said, <laughs> every moment of every day, I need to be doing one of these things. Like never miss an opportunity, like so intense, right? And so that's been there for a long time. And I think I've recently, since we started working together, have shifted that into awareness of it's not just a hustle harder, but a deeper rooted transformation, which has been great. But yeah, it's been there for a while. It's funny you say that because, you know, I remember this was probably like, I don't know, six, eight years ago. And I was starting, you know, we're already doing the work side shift and helping people. But I was like, I wonder if I've always struggled with this thing of performance equaling my worth. Even in high school, when there's a couple years, I can picture it before that. But even in high school, there's a couple years where all I want to do is hang out with people. That was like it. There was nothing else I want to do. So I contacted a high school friend, actually. We happened to be talking. And I was just like, hey, man, what was I like in high school? I kind of have this impression of myself. And he's like, are you kidding? You've always been like... I got to get it all done right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's so funny how we are who we are. You know, we are who we are. <laughs> but at least we can laugh at it and we're getting better. Speaking of getting better, you talked about the work and what's so powerful for people that are listening to this, especially that have been through Figure That Shift Out and are aware of Sight Shift, just to refresh and encourage them on leaning in and doing the work. What for you was like the biggest like aha moment? And then what's the lingering 
takeaway that you still hold on to the most? And obviously, we've written books together. You could hit a million things, yeah. so I know. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I think the the biggest aha moment coming back to is the just the the initial framework: identity, mission, community. Identity overflows into mission, builds and attracts healthy community. I think framing it that way was so different from all the voices I was reading and listening to in college and beyond just kind of flipped that on its head and made so much sense and was so freeing and just set up so much else. So that was the biggest like hit right at the beginning. And then I think the lingering effect is that everything, almost everything just comes back to mindset, comes back to this Mental state. And I, and I describe it, you would probably frame it a little differently, but I describe it as mindset, probably describe it as awareness, but like the reactions, the decisions, the mistakes you're making, the frustrations, the anger can all be traced back to this root of a healthy mindset. Um, and so I think that's the lingering thing to me of mm -hmm. like, keep sharpening that tool, that mindset, keep raising that awareness, paying attention. And everything else kind of flows from that. So that's been the lingering. It's kind of what's led to the work with catching confetti and championship positioning it as mindset training, because I think that is where it starts and a lot flows out of that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I resonate with it because even the last, when I think about the summer, you know, obviously kids are in school now and summer's closing down and all that's changing. But when I think about, the summer, there were just like a ton of moments on the porch early in the morning where the way I was processing it was what rot is being rooted out of me right now in my mindset, because I'm wanting, you know, new levels bring new devils. If, if I feel like this summer, I really got a vision of I've only reached 5% of my potential. What's that rest look like? Where does my mindset show up in a rotten way? And was really and now because of spending four or five weeks around that it's really wild to wake up in the morning and feel a new ceiling of clarity and confidence because it's doing that root work so whether we call it awareness mindset whatever thousand percent with you love it and i still track so deeply with the day that you called we're working on the book you were like it's mindset training and i was like yeah <laughs> So you're on the money, man. You're on the money. That was like a 2 a.m. revelation in a hotel room. I can't. I wish I could remember the NBA city. It'd make the story so much better. But oh man, I remember that. I probably saved the notepad from the hotel desk where we started started diagramming the seven mindsets. Yeah. Right on, dude. I, I it's, you got to hold on to those moments because it's the clicking of that flywheel and you get that big click and you're like, yes, let's do it. When you think about like, obviously mindset's huge, people need it. And you think about where things are right now and what's going on. Leaders that would be listening to this that are, whether they're, you know, inspired by athletic analogies or not, wherever you want to go with it, what would you say to them to help encourage them right now? A message, if you could get it out there on the airwaves, what would that be? I would start with this, is being able to reframe every moment. So if you can take a moment where you're frustrated, where you're stuck, 
you're angry, where you're feeling invalidated or you know, imposed on, you can reframe it in a way that makes you resilient or makes you relaxed or in a way that it will help you grow. And so I've asked myself that question a lot. When I feel stuck, challenge is too big, too daunting to take on, or the enemies are too loud. How can I reframe this for growth to keep going? And being able to do that, just take a moment, reframe, because it does start in your mindset, right? That writer's block, that creative block, the ability to get buy-in from your team, you know, the insecurity you feel sharing a new vision, whatever, it starts with your mindset. And if you can reframe it in a way that brings you energy and lets you keep going one more day, that's where I would start. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. How, if somebody brought you in to come in and do one of your keynote talks, the one, I don't want to give away what it is, how would you speak to an audience to go deeper on that talk? Like, hey, if you have me come in, speak to your team, I'm going to take that message and do what with so that they leave after 30 minutes with me. Yeah. The biggest thing I share is, you know, drawing on my background in the MBA, but developing an MBA mindset. And we define MBA as uh, next best action. And it's making the next right play. So it's, it's getting out of those insecurities of, you know, I got to do this to, to get validation or, you know, to prove something to somebody. It's where you end up just self-sabotaging. More bad decisions, you know, lead to more bad decisions. So making the next right play, bringing your best self to the moment. So all those silly games that we play to advance, getting rid of those and finding your true authentic self and, and bringing that to the table. And then, um, exposing yourselves to actions that will that will help you grow mm. being able to reframe every moment as a moment to grow and so that's kind of how i frame my mm. message and the first starting point is developing that resilient mm. mindset to to keep going and keep growing it's such a powerful talk if i could wave a magic wand and get people exposed to two things that you do so powerfully at the initial level obviously there's stuff after they do more with you but it's to get exposed to that message and then to let you help these coaches really actively shape their culture, which I know is something you're really passionate about also. Um, tell us what you do with the culture sculpture workshop, just like a high level. Yeah, it's been such a fun workshop to do with coaches. And every time I do it, just come out of there with even people that feel like they're farther down the road with defining their culture, come out of it like feel like they've sharpened what they've got. And so, yeah, we essentially help coaches and teams discover their true core values, not just the values they stole from someone else that sound good and look on a wall, but like what's true to them and their sport and their success, how to communicate them effectively so people on their team can activate them and share them with other people and it's embedded in their mindset, and then how to activate it in your culture. So it's not just words on a wall, but it's actual comes to real life it's played out so it's been a fun workshop there's some challenging exercises through it's basically birthed out of when i i guess no longer coaching with the sons and was like in this cave moment of trying to decide what do i do best how do i articulate it what comes out of that 
So what I did over the course of six months, I now can help people do in about two hours. So <laughs> and with a lot less pain than I went through. <laughs> so it's been a really valuable exercise. Yeah, dude, that's the best stuff. When you compress it down like that and it's concentrated and you know you're guiding people through an experience. Where right now is Brett having to lead himself to his next best action? Vulnerable as you want to be, you don't have to share anything you don't want to, obviously, but life or leadership, wherever it takes you. Yeah, I think it's just, it's continuing to advance, you know, where we're headed. I think as I get deeper into the work with Champion Shift and with Sight Shift, realizing its potential, the impact that it could have, I'm also having to let go of a huge piece of my life. It's been a part of my life since the day I was born. My dad was a college basketball coach. I grew up in that world. I've never lived a year of life, I guess maybe one because of COVID, but I never lived a year of life where I wasn't marching through a basketball season. And so as we kind of transitioning into this kind of work, like letting go of that part of my story, not my story, it's still a part of my story, but into this kind of new reality has been challenging. And the community hasn't changed. The impact hasn't changed. The mechanisms for delivering that impact have. How I show up in the community has a little bit. But yeah, it's just, it's something that was so ingrained in me so long. It's taking longer and harder to let go of that than I realized. Yeah. It's, there's a statement that years ago showed up for me doing some work on a chapter ending. And until I grieve the new ending, I can't imagine the new beginning. You know, it's like, that's a process. I, and I would say you can imagine a little bit, but like the really letting go, it's the turning in between the chapters where that page is so heavy. So that's inspiring, man. Thanks for sharing. And I can't imagine if you were, we would know it. Your friends would know it if you were desperately clinging to what was. And for whatever it's worth, man, it seems like you are not running from your past, but running to that bright future. And it inspires me to watch it all the time. It's a gift. If people wanted to connect with you more, where would you like them to go so that they can get more of what Brett is serving up? Yeah, the best place to go is championshift.com. It's champion, S-H-I-F-T.com. And that's where... All the work I'm doing with athletes and coaches lives. Get it. I get to see up close and personal that impact and that transformation. And so hopefully for those that are right on that edge, they're like, can he help me get there? Yes, he can. Thanks for everybody being here. Thank you, Brett, for being here and for encouraging people. And I know there was something that they could take away that would help them make sense of where they are. You the man. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T-Shift.com to take the next step.